0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein, and today we're talking about some movies. I, uh, if you don't, you aren't following me on Twitter. Um, this weekend, I had tweeted something that I, uh, I haven't said in a while, which is I was able to complete the famed triple header. Uh, when it comes to the movies and to me and this one was a a weird triple header I guess you could say so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna break down what a triple header is I'm gonna break down what movies I saw this weekend along with a couple Netflix movies that I caught as well as a quick and brief discussion about the box office and uh, some some interesting tidbits that I've seen in regards to that so uh, a triple header that is simple enough it's where you go to the movies and see a movie three you don't see a movie three times, but you just go to the movies three times. And to me, a triple header is uh, using your AMC stubs A list uh, for those three. You get three movies a week. So you use all three of your AMC stubs in one week. That's your triple header, that's your turkey. And, uh, like I said in my prior podcast, I am going to be on vacation next week, so there won't be any podcasts next week, so I wanted to get as many movies in as I could before I'm gone this week, because Lord knows some of these movies are are not destined to be long in the theaters, so I wanted to see them. So, the plan was, initially... And I had this all mapped out. As you guys are aware, I went and saw Lighthouse uh, last weekend. Phenomenal movie. I gave that movie a 9 out of 10. And I got to tell you guys, I couldn't get that movie out of my head all week. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just kept thinking about spilling my beans and, and tri- Neptune's Trident and all that stuff. And um, so the, so the plan was to go see a movie on Thursday... And then to go see a movie on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So the or, honestly, the original plan was to to do the a quadruple header, unheard of. Uh, I think actually I've done it one time in the past, if I'm if I can remember. But. Uh, so the, the plan was, and I, I have gotten my brother and my cousin on my entourage list now, thank you AMC for doing this entourage thing. It has been hell trying to coordinate movies with my family. It's so much easier when I can buy all of their tickets and force them to go to the movies that I want to go to. Huge shout out to my cousin Harry. Uh, really hope you're going to enjoy seeing the movies that I've lined up for you this week while I'm out. Uh, I apologize, I haven't really told you yet what those movies are, but if you check on your Stubbs account, uh, it will tell you which movies those are, and I need you there, I need you to tell me how those movies are, because I'm not going to be able to go see them, thanks so much. So, the plan was to go see Parasite on Thursday, and then to go see The Lighthouse again on Friday, and then to go see Doctor Sleep on Saturday yesterday and then to see Jojo Rabbit on Sunday and I'm in a weird spot on my Stubbs thing I can only reserve two movies right now because I've got pre-orders for Star Wars and so uh, it started out with uh, my brother and I went to go see Parasite on Thursday and we get there, we get into the theater, everything's all normal, well and good, and uh, nothing, It's it moves at seven, sitting in the best seats in the house, actually we were sitting in the second to the best seats in the house, you know how you're, you're a little bit right of center, and uh, <clears throat> seven o'clock rolls around, the screen's blank, 707 rolls around, screen's blank, I turned to my brother, I said, am I going to be the guy that has to go figure out what's going on? He's like, you're always the guy that does that, I was like, yeah, okay, great, so I got up. Went down, talked to the front people, and they're like, yeah, the movie is not working on the projector. For some reason, it won't connect to the projector. As you all know, digital movies, you plug in a USB, whatever, should be simple. Wasn't working. He said, we're about to just give everybody a refund. And I'm thinking, great, I wish I could get a refund, but I can't because I have AMC stubs." and uh so my brother and i instead of getting a refund other people getting refunds we decided well, let's just go see a different movie so the parasite was playing at seven there was actually a showing of the lighthouse playing at six forty. so we just went into the lighthouse showing it was perfect and we probably missed the first 15 minutes of the movie but uh holy cow guys i've bumped the lighthouse up to a 10. Uh, so that is the second 10 that i've given out this year besides avengers endgame uh, I am in love with the lighthouse. That movie was even better a second time. There was th- just the, the symbolism and the imagery, the the score. I went on and on about it in my prior uh, the pr- last week's podcast, but uh, I was just really, really grateful that I was able to do that because come Friday, It turned out The Lighthouse was only going to be playing in one theater at 10.45 at night. So I wasn't going to be able to see it again. And based on that, it's not going to make it to next week. So I was really grateful that I got to see that movie again. So uh, then we figured, well, maybe we'll go see something on Friday. Nothing ended up happening on Friday. I actually had a really nice date night with my wife. And we uh, binge-watched and finished Shit's Creek. If any of you have not seen the show Shit's Creek, it's on Netflix. It is. It's got five seasons. There's one final season on the way coming out in January. But uh, that mo- that show is just so funny, and uh, has a lot of parallels to my family. My family loves that show and thinks it's hilarious. Uh, just in terms of how you know my family kind of acts like those characters. I'm sure you all can guess which character uh, I act like if you see the show. But right. So Friday we did not see anything. Uh, but then Saturday instead of dr sleep we went and saw parasite on saturday and then i just got out of jojo rabbit so those will be the two movies that i'm going to talk about uh because i've already talked about lighthouse will be parasite jojo rabbit and then the two netflix movies that i saw were dolomite is my name and triple frontier and i'm really excited to talk about both of those movies so uh without any further ado let's dive right into parasite which has uh quickly made its way into the top 10 movies of the year for me this is a uh movie that's uh written and directed by uh junho bong i believe he also can go by bong junho uh, depends on how you want to say it in you know whatever the, um, in korean but it has uh, Kang Ho song sung kyun lee yo Jongjo, and Sik choi uh if any of you are familiar with uh, Bong Joon-ho, he may he was the writer for Okja, for Snowpiercer. And for Memories of a Murder, all of those being really good movies. I actually haven't seen Oak Okja. My brother said it was a good movie, so it's my bad on my end, but I'm going to probably want to watch it now. Snowpiercer was phenomenal, and Memories of a Murder was also really good. That had a really crazy ending. But this movie takes the cake. Of all of his movies, I would say this one's my favorite. So this is – I kind of went into it blind, I and for those of you who are not familiar this is a Korean film. It is in fully in Korean with English subtitles. It's also 2 hours and 12 minutes long and it does not feel that long. It is a it is a very breezy movie. It's also a very tense movie. But uh like I said, I, and for the record, rest of this podcast I will be going into spoilers for all of these movies. I will try to keep the spoilers light, but I do want to discuss these films. So Um, So I'm going to I'm going to do it. But Parasite is about a family, a lower class family, you could maybe even say, you know, on the verge of homeless family in Korea, they live in sort of a basement house in a crowded alley. It's a mother, a father, a son and a daughter and on the other end of this, and and it gets into it as it gets closer, but it it revolves around them, and it also revolves around another family of four, of a a mother and father, and a daughter, and a a young son, and so uh, the premise of this film is the the daughter of this rich family, she has a tutor, and that tutor is best friends with the son of the poor family, and he, uh, the tutor, is going to study abroad and needs somebody he can trust to tutor this girl because he has a crush on her and so he doesn't want some other college kid tutoring her falling in love yada 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 so he's asking his good buddy who did not go to college all that sort of stuff i think he attempted to and didn't work out but so he's like I know I can trust you like you're going to do great. He's like, "Well, we well, yeah, but I'm not in college." He's like, "It doesn't matter. These these people are rich like they don't care. They're very um sp- not spacey, but just they're and they talk about it in the movie. There's a lot of really great and and it's some of it's subtle, some of it isn't, but it's a, it's a a class movie. It's a movie about rich versus poor and the the things that people do when they're in those sort of positions and he's explaining and there's a part in the movie they explain as well where it's like when you have that amount of money you're just kind of you don't care about certain things like it it sort of things slip your mind like it doesn't matter like oh these people are nice yeah they're nice because they're they're nice because they're rich like they have nothing to worry about sort of thing so he's like you're going to be fine so his sister who's like a graphic designer an artist she forges a, uh, a harvard uh, I believe it was a Harvard, but a, a basically a university sort of transcript sort of thing, proving that he graduated. She goes over to the he goes over to the house, interviews the lady, goes super well. He's now the tutor of this girl and he's getting paid good money for it. So it's like, awesome. We're starting to reel things in. So that's where things get really interesting. So then he, um, he notices that the son paints a lot of pictures and the mom goes on like oh yeah you know he's super creative but you know he's kind of a he's kind of a crazy kid he's got some problems and she's like he's like you know i think i know he goes one of my friend's cousins is a art therapist and she's like oh my gosh are you serious he's like yeah you know she's she's one of the best if uh, you know if you would like i could talk to her for you and see if she could come And, um, speak with you. And she's all, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, please. That sounds great. Like I, it's so hard to find people that I can trust. It's like, nice. And so who is that person, but his sister. So he brings his sister over to the house and she does this really cool there's this really cool scene probably my favorite scene one of my favorites in the movie where she does this thing with her fingers that I, I, i looked it up it's like this uh chant this korean chant that students use to memorize things that's based off of like the korean anthem and she says uh she like her name is jessica she's an only child she says jessica only child uh illinois chicago is like where she's from and so she knocks on the door and then she like pretends to be this really she's like does a really good job pretending to be an art therapist and so at that point she's after one of the uh the sessions she um she's getting a ride home from the family's driver and she uh she's like you're you're, like kind of wondering i had a feeling it was what she was doing but she takes her underwear off and like puts it down in one on the floor and she leaves and then they're back at home and she's like hey i um i set a trap basically and so essentially that rolls into them firing the family fires their driver and they're like i just wish that like you know we could find a good driver and the girl's like you know my uncle used to have this really great driver, but he just moved back to America, so that driver may actually be available, and they're like, oh my god, if you can, like, same thing, boom, now the dad is in the family, so now the dad is driving them around, and then they end up hoodwinking the housekeeper out of her job, and the mom becomes the housekeeper, so now the entire family is working for this family, essentially taking their money, uh, which is, kind of a cool concept, it's an amazing concept, and it just shows how, uh, like, they a lot of ingenuity there, they're a really cunning family, and things slowly go off the rails from there, however, where um, the, in regards to the housekeeper, and I actually don't want to talk about that, because I doubt that would be the one thing that I don't want to spoil, the things that happen after that are absolutely insane, save to say that it is such a just crazy message about rich versus poor and there are just some really cool things where like they're they're hiding in the house at one point and the father is saying how um he doesn't like the smell of the driver of the dad and because uh, it's like he says he smells like a subway like he smells like a poor person basically and there's just this like this kind of oozing anger that the father has towards the family but then there's also this really cool concept in the movie about planning and making plans and the the father explains like the best plan is not having a plan at all because if you don't have a plan your plan can never fail like you just basically roll with the punches and then there's a great through line with that at the end of the movie as well as uh there's this really cool and my brother had pointed this out as well there's certain things that you just you have to like either watch it twice you have to have a quick eye for it but uh brings over that friend who was going to study abroad brings over this rock that he says is essentially like a prosperity rock and he's like you keep this in your house it's like a big rock it's probably you know it's it, you have to have two hands to carry it and he's like you keep this in your house basically like my dad gave it to me yada yada, yada. keep it in your house and it, it will bring good fortune and money to you and they're like oh and so they put it in the house and boom they've all got their jobs but at one point the son takes the rock he like lifts it up and takes it outside To attempt to kill this guy or like knock this guy out, who uh, like hit him over the head with the rock, who's like peeing outside. And the dad also goes out there with a bucket of water and throws the bucket of water, and the guy, it misses the guy and hits the sun. So the sun's covered in water, the rock's gone. But what's interesting is the minute, and Stevie pointed this out, so I gotta give the call out to him it from them and you it's obvious though like when you look at it there are a lot of scenes in this movie where that they indicate future things in the movie he does a great the uh Bong Joon-ho I believe was his name he does such a good job of setting that sort of stuff up and um but right when that rock is taken off that's when things go downhill for the family and it's so crazy the um the not symbolism but essentially things that are done in parts of the movie come back in reverse in the end of the movie or in other parts of the movie so it's like if one person is is doing something then that is like they're undoing later in the movie and i don't want again i don't want to spoil it but i'll just say that rock is a a big piece of it but it just it just goes completely off the rails from there and it, it's just such a good movie like i i can't recommend this movie enough if it is uh, in a theater near you you have to check it out and what's funny is my cousin he was hesitant about this movie, but after we got out, he was like, "That movie was phenomenal." Like I, I came into this thinking I wouldn't like it, and I loved it. And I was like, "Yeah, like this is great." So in terms of I, I, I do watch foreign films. I, I have, I have a collection of some foreign films, but in terms of Korean films specifically, I think the only oh I, I don't think Memories of a Murder is Korean. I think that one's Chinese. Um, but in terms of Korean films, and I will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the three Korean movies I've seen are Burning, uh, this one, Parasite, and The Handmaiden. And I gave The Handmaiden a 10. I gave this one a 9. I gave Burning an 8. So I would say it's right in the middle there. But I just, all what's interesting, and I I'd, I'd shared this with, uh, with my cousin and brother when we were talking about this, was all of those three Korean movies, The Handmaiden, Parasite, and Burning, all have a central theme about about rich versus poor and I just think that that is such a cool concept and so cool that these Korean filmmakers are making movies about that because in some regards I don't think that's a type of movie like I'm watching this Parasite movie thinking to myself could there be an American version of this movie and there I don't think there could be because they're just the way that the characters act and all of that it's just it's so different and uh i mean there's i I would love to see an american version of a rich versus poor type movie i mean i guess you could say the purge is probably one but as you can see those movies are very like the rich are trying to stave off the poor whereas these korean films are more about the poor fighting to become recognized or become a, a rich person or become better off and uh it's cool because all three of them deal with it differently uh, they're all about rich versus poor but the way that they execute it are completely different and I would really recommend seeing all three of those movies uh, because uh, Handmaiden is uh, I still have to re- I'm going to rewatch it but that, that should end up in my top 50 of, of the decade uh, as a hint of, of what's to come uh, Parasite I don't think is going to be in the top 50 but like I said it is going to be in my top 10 for the year at this point just because I'm still I am still thinking about this movie which unfortunately is not something that I can say for Jojo Rabbit which if you let me finish I can explain why and I'm glad to do so so Jojo Rabbit we went and saw it today I liked it I thought it was a really good movie I really did I thought it was enjoyable I the only problem is this movie to me it seemed like it got hyped up a little too much and uh, in doing so I had some pretty high expectations for this movie and it did not meet those expectations. It actually I felt bad because I know when I typically go into movies and, and I only notice that afterwards, because when I go into movies, I do try to separate myself from anything that I've read, any trailers that I've watched. I try to go in with a blank slate before the movie starts of just watching and appreciating this movie exactly as it was intended to be appreciated and watched. And it just so happens that, you know, it just, I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to explain why here in a sec. So Jojo Rabbit is directed by Taika Watiti, and screenplay is also by Taika with, uh, based on a novel by Christine Lunins, and it stars Roman Griffin Davis as Jojo along with Thomason McKenzie, who, if you know, is from Leave, Leave No Trace as Elsa. Scarlett Johansson plays Jojo's mom. Taika Watiti, obviously plays Hitler. Sam Rockwell is in it as well. Great job by him, along with Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen, and Stephen Merchant. And also a huge shout out to Archie Yates, very hilarious kid in this movie. So the, here's why I say this movie is it was less than my expectations. the The way that people were describing this movie was that it was revelatory. That this is is you know, it's a Taika Waititi movie and it is just, it's like a game changer. It's, it's an essential, um, you know, movie about that time period. It's, it's a great satire. And yeah, you could, you could see, probably see those things and all of that. But to me, it did not feel like a revelatory movie. It was just a very basic movie about a kid in the Hitler Youth, and learning that basically he's not a nazi that he's a, a good person and what's funny is i actually didn't like the movie up until uh and again spoilers the the plot of the movie is he's he's in the hitler youth he goes to this camp uh and they're all learning about like shooting guns blowing stuff up and he gets made fun of gets called jojo rabbit and he he steal, grabs a grenade they're like practicing throwing grenades and he throws the grenade it hits a tree and bounces back at him explodes and uh, injures him so then he is sent home and at that point he has to stay home he's doing some other work but finds a uh thomason mckenzie's character she is hiding in the wall in his house his mom has been hiding him scarlett johansson and she does a great job scarlett johansson was awesome as was sam rockwell and the kid the the main character he did a awesome job too i was really impressed. But that that's the premise of the movie is he finds this girl this Jew hiding in the in the the floor not the floorboards but like a like a weird sort of in the wall closet and the whole movie is a not necessarily a will they won't they tattle it's more of a him trying to figure out his place in the world because he meets this girl he's supposed to hate her he's supposed to hate Jews he's a Nazi and he slowly develops feelings for her and it's not even like an i'm in love with you type feelings it's more of like a i care about you you're a really nice person you're you're sort of like my big sister sort of thing and uh then that's the movie is kind of them trying to survive in germany right at the end of the war so by the end of the movie the war ends and they they kind of get to go on their way to me that's a very basic premise like that's we're going to see that again i mean we're not going to see it again but i just i just keep thinking of like midway 1917 uh i feel like there was another one that was out right now that was like a war movie um i'm don't remember but they're just i there was nothing in this movie that i haven't seen before the only thing obviously is taika waititi playing an imaginary friend to this kid as hitler because he idolizes hitler and even in that regard, I did not think Taika was that funny. There were a couple of scenes that had me laughing uh, from Taika. But for the most part, the jokes that he had just didn't land for me. They were very... There's there's like a joke where he says, oh, you know, I was I was uh, eating unicorn. Because it's like, oh, he's an imaginary... I don't know. I, I didn't laugh at that. I didn't find that funny. There were a couple of really good scenes that he did that I, I thought were really powerful. But overall, it just... I don't know. They're... I I laughed quite a bit. It's a very funny movie, but it just it was a weird comedy. It was like it was not at all like like Hunt for the Wilderpeople People that he did. That comedy was so funny, and I could, I watched that movie three times on Hulu. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to see it in theaters, but I watched it three times because it was so funny. I don't think I'm gonna watch this movie again, and that's only because, like I said, I saw what I needed to see and it it didn't really do like i said the performances were good though the the kids were great so i would recommend seeing this movie at least once because i think it may get some recognition at the oscars though at this point i'd be kind of surprised if it did again they're just i don't know it didn't feel like any risks were taken and i'm sure someone could argue that oh having taika play hitler is a risk sure i guess you could say that's a risk but Uh, he doesn't really act like Hitler like he kind of jokes that he's Hitler like oh you know I I hate I hate the Jews like that kind of joke but he I don't know I don't know there's just something about it that didn't sit right with me and uh, again nothing nothing bad towards the movie it's a fine movie it's just I don't know wasn't wasn't the movie that I wanted it to be and wasn't the movie I was expecting it to be but again nothing nothing against the film I would recommend going to see it and uh unfortunately that's just kind of where it was at so again i gave it a seven i'm not i'm not giving it a bad a bad review but i i was just bummed because i thought that i was going to be laughing a lot more than i was and i thought that there would be more feely type moments than there were and there were only a couple one of them being um when one of the characters dies and i won't say who i love i love that i say i talk spoilers but i don't really do it because you know i love you guys, but when one of the characters dies that was a really really sad moment but even so it was a really actually a really shocking moment so that that was a really good part and then the end the end was great too just the way that the war ended and um he kind of stands up to hitler and that was that was really nice to see or stands up to taiko Watiti, and that moment was actually really funny as well And like i said that little kid and you'll know him he's the one that's got the glasses that are the round glasses. He was hilarious. Everything that he said, it almost seemed like every line that he had made me laugh. I thought he was given some great material. And uh, yeah, so that's really, I guess, all that I can say in regards to that film. Um, It was good. It was good. Check it out. See if you agree with me, because I I do think it's a movie that needs to be seen Uh, Just to to especially if you're a huge fan of Taika Waititi, because there's a his vibe is all over the movie. It's just not as much like in terms of oh, this is a Taika Waititi movie. I would say you've got like what we do in the shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor: Ragnarok, and then um, this movie. In terms of like, well, you would know this is a Taika Waititi movie, right? Because Taika Waititi's in it. So yeah, that that's Jojo Rabbit. And, uh, so for the two movies that I saw on Netflix, actually one of these ones I'm so excited to talk about, which is Dolomite is my name. This is a movie by Craig Brewer written by Scott Alexander and Larry Kazaszewski, uh, starring Eddie Murphy as Rudy, along with Keegan-Michael Key, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, uh, Divine Joy Randolph, Cody Smith McPhee, Snoop Dogg. I mean, the list keeps going. Ron Cephas Jones. Barry Sh- Shabaka Henley, T.I., uh, there's some, oh yeah, Wesley Snipes, Chris Rock, and uh, are there any others in this list? No, that's about it. Uh, so, this movie, and I'll-, I'll read this off of here because I, I was not familiar with this person prior. Eddie Murphy portrays real-life legend Rudy Ray Moore, a comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene, kung-fu-fighting alter-ego Dolomite became a 1970s black exploitation phenomenon. So um, I love those kinds of movies, and one of my favorite ones, which is actually a more recent movie, is called Black Dynamite. Uh, I think that is one of the funniest movies ever, and is such a great spoof on these black exploitation movies, but they're in the same vein of like Shaft and Superfly. And uh, so I didn't know until I was done with the movie that this was actually based on real events. Because I was like, "Wow, this is this is really cool. This reminds me a lot of Black Dynamite." So I guarantee you, Black Dynamite is probably based off of in some small part uh, the Dolomite movie, which is uh, apparently a really poorly received movie, but was loved. Like it was loved because this guy never gave up and I thought that was the coolest part of this movie that's why I loved this movie it uh it had not only does it have a happy ending but the whole movie is happy like it could have so easily turned into a movie about uh him struggling with uh you know with race with being black and a trying to like make it in the movie industry in the music industry and uh it really wasn't about that it was like yes he had struggles but he he kept overcoming them like i i ever as i'm watching and i kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and it didn't like there was no over the top sort of uh, racist scene in there. You know how they always have that where like a, you know, a group of white people in the alley beat up the main character or something like that. That happens in these movies and it didn't happen. And I was really happy about that. He, he has his own struggles to deal with. He has to deal with the fact that at times he had no money, that people didn't like him. They didn't think he was funny. And he ends up meeting this guy who's like this really crazy. fish Jones is the one who plays him, but he he's, he's the one who kind of pioneered that whole rap style of, uh, it's the same rap style that's in Black Dynamite where uh, you want to see something that's out of sight? Let me tell you about my good friend Black Dynamite. And uh, it just, it had me laughing so hard. Like his comedy bits were hilarious. The whole movie was hilarious and the best part about this movie was Eddie Murphy in my eyes, is back. I don't even know if he ever left, but I, I, I've seen some of his older movies. But I was a big Eddie Murphy fan as well during his like Daddy Daycare phase when he was in Haunted Mansion. Uh, I know those movies weren't the greatest movies, but I just I, I think Eddie Murphy's a really funny guy. And he just seemed like he was having the time of his life making this movie. Like I said, he just plays a guy that all he wants to do is make art. He wants people to notice him and love him. And so in doing so, he's nice to everybody. Like, he wants everyone included. Literally, he... Uh, like he he recruits males, females, one of his best friends becomes this, this overweight female woman who uh, she even has this line in the movie where she's like, thank you, uh, Ray, for putting me in your movie because most people don't think that I'm sexy and I'm just happy that I got to see someone who looks like me on tv obviously you know her but in the movie and he's he just is like you know like of course like it wouldn't have been any other way and it's just like i just thought he was the it seemed like he was the coolest guy in the world and i'm i'm bummed that i never got to meet him in real life or know this person because he just seems like a a wonderful person and and who knows again that's just based strictly off of what i'm seeing in the movie but eddie murphy just did a great job of making him seem like a lovable character that you're rooting for the entire time and every time that he falls down he gets right back up and it was just it was a really inspirational movie so I would really recommend checking that one out I wouldn't be surprised if that one gets nominated for something I I did hear some buzz about it but we're going to get to the whole buzz situation in regards to the things that I see on Twitter because finally hit a breaking point today but Dolomite is my name it's on Netflix check it out the other movie is Triple Frontier which is also a Netflix movie and uh, I'll pull it up here but it stars um, what's his name Ben Affleck it's Ben Affleck Oscar Isaacs and uh who else is in There's a bunch. Oh, um say Chadwick Boseman, but um Charlie Hoonan is in it as well as uh Garrett Headland and Pedro Pascal, who I'm gonna click on it right now. If he's in narcos, I'm gonna lose my mind. And uh Yes, he is! He's in Narcos! There is a scene in this movie where Ben Affleck is looking at him like they're in a little group talking and he says Narcos. He's like, are we Narcos? And I was just hoping that the camera would pan to him and he would look at the camera and wink because I was like, are you kidding me? Like, of course they would say Narcos. So it's directed by J.C. Chandor, written by Mark Boll, J.C. Chandor and story also by Mark Boll. I'm going to read this one as well. Loyalties are actually, this will be better. Five former special forces operatives reunite to plan a heist in a sparsely populated multi border zone in South America. For the first time in their prestigious careers, these unsung heroes undertake this dangerous mission for self instead of country. But when events take an unexpected turn and threaten to spiral out of control, their skills, loyalties, and morals are pushed to the breaking point in an epic battle for survival. Uh, I gave this movie a 6 out of 10. A lot of the Netflix movies fall into this category, which is, it it was an enjoyable movie. I'm glad I saw it, but it was just, there was nothing that stood out to me except for this one thing, which is the heist goes successfully and I, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop because they, the, you know, the beginning part of the movie is Oscar Isaac recruiting all the guys. He's like, Hey, I've got a huge job. They all kind of have their own lives now after they did their military service. And they're like, yeah, we don't really do that. And he explains to them, like, you've been serving your country, you've gotten jack. And, uh, you know, you're all struggling like Brad, Brad, uh, Brad, um, oh my goodness. I forgot his name. Ben Affleck. He, um, He's like struggling to make ends meet. He's divorced. So they all have their own motives of wanting this money. But essentially, Oscar Isaacs has been hunting down this like drug kingpin who's in South America and apparently has hundreds of millions of dollars. He's like, literally, the plan is we're going to go in there, kill him, take his money and get out. That's it. And then we're going to go our separate ways. It's done. There's like there's no more jobs or anything. This is just a one time thing. I've been hunting this guy for years. Eventually, everyone agrees to it. And we're at this point, we're like 25, 30 minutes into the movie. And I'm thinking to myself, like something's going to go wrong. Like there's no way this heist is going to go good when there's only 30 minutes left in this or into this two hour movie. And it does. It's crazy. Like there's money in the walls. They end up killing the bad guy. And I was like, okay, so where do they go from here? And you'll see where they go from here. Again, it's not, it's a very basic story. They, they leave, they've got a, tr- a helicopter chartered, they, they get away, like they, everything goes well. The problem is they have so much money That the helicopter can't fly above the Andes Mountains to the other side to get them to the ocean. Like literally can't lift the money over the tip of the mountain. And a rotor breaks and they crash into a field of what looks like cocaine. So they're they're in this South American field, like this town, where they're doing illegal stuff anyway. And these people kind of have guns and they kill a couple of them. And so they've got to get out of there. So they, it's just, that's the the most heartbreaking thing to me, which is, you know, really not that heartbreaking, but throughout the whole movie, they keep dumping the money. Like they're in the helicopter and they're like, this is too much. We have to drop some of it. So they drop some of it and then they get up to the top of the mountain and they need more. we got to drop some of it. And then they land on the floor and then they have to pay some of it to the city, like to that little small town to for, have them forgive them. And then by the end of it, they only end up at the very end of it. And I'm gonna go. Spo- I'm gonna go for spoilers on this one because there's really. I mean, nothing's gonna pressure you guys into watching this movie. It's it's a good movie. It's in 4K, so it, it looks good. But uh, Ben Affleck shoots a couple of people in this town, and one of them, I guess, had a kid who doesn't like Ben Affleck now, and and tracked them, and they're like literally, they can see the ocean, and Ben Affleck gets shot in the head and dies, and everyone else escapes, but. What happens is they get they, they they escape no problems there, and the last scene is them counting the money with like a offshore account and the the total amount that they end up getting and they had like probably at least a hundred million dollars is five million dollars which I, I was happy about I was like okay at least they've got five million dollars like a million dollars to each of them right or it might have been five million each of them I don't remember it wasn't it wasn't as much as it should have been and they all donate their money to ben affleck's family which i get that's sweet that's nice and oh right 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 and then it made it okay it made it okay because i was like why are you doing that like you you went to all that work at least keep a little bit for yourself like you guys all went through hell and what they ended up having to do because they they had literally had they were like pulling this money down the mountain like on dragging it through the snow like bags and bags and bags of it like so much money and so they ended up dumping all of it except what would fit in their backpacks dumping it into this canyon that they said, like, the, it's going to get snowed over and then no one will find it. And so the very end of the movie, Charlie Hunnam, who they keep, mo- they keep joking with him, he, like, counts everything. He's, like, in the beginning, he, he, uh, he does seminars for, like, PTSD and stuff like that. And he's, like, I've done 173 of these. They're, like, wow, like, of course you would count that. He's, like, I count everything. And so at the very end of the movie, he hands Oscar Isaac, who's the one who planned all this, he hands them him a piece of paper And he's like, he goes, I hope you do something good with this and then walks away and he looks at it and it's the freaking coordinates, like the longitude and latitude to all of the money. And I was just like, hell yeah like here we go but then the movie ends and i was like that would i would have loved to see like an epilogue and after credit scene of him just pulling all that money in. so clearly obviously you know I, I like money but i thought that was cool there's some really cool money shots in this in terms of uh, there's a scene where they they're oh they're like carrying the money up the mountain this is after the helicopter crashed and they've got it on donkeys And they've got all these bags on the donkeys, and one of the donkeys slips and falls off the mountain, and the bag of money, like the donkey, is dead. Donkey's dead, and uh, the bag of money hits the side of the mountain and explodes, like because it's just a bag and so there's just this wide shot of the andes with all of this money floating in the air and it was really cool to see and they're like dang it that was a lot of money and oscar isaac's like hey that was a living animal like can you get some sympathy for the animal i was like thank you oscar ever the humanitarian like congratulations dude i appreciate it um but yeah no so that's triple frontier like i said it was all right but um it was just a fun movie to watch until you know when you've got nothing else to do sort of thing so the last bit i wanted to talk about again is in regards to. To, and I'm going to pull this up. This is in regards to, surprise, surprise, a, a tweet. Uh, I have the distinct pleasure of not really being involved in film Twitter, but for some reason, film Twitter is involved with me. Uh, This was a tweet that was not liked by anyone I know. It wasn't retweeted by anyone I know. This person is just followed by people that I follow, which is, it's just fascinating how Twitter works in terms of, oh, this person follows this person. Maybe you want to see what they tweet. It's like, no, I don't. If I do, I'd follow them. Here's what the tweet said. I'm not going to say who it is. Box office isn't everything. And time will no doubt be very kind to Dr. Sleep. But it's quite strange to see a movie almost universally recognized as a masterpiece on all my social media feeds in on, it pull in only 14 million opening weekend, one of the biggest head-scratchers in years. I just... Guys, I don't get it. Well, I don't get it. I don't get film Twitter. I, it seems like these people... I don't know. Are they critics? Are they... Is it because of who they are? It's, it's as if... They have access to this secret world where everything they see is the best thing that they've ever seen. If it's an indie movie, oh my god, you have to go see this movie. We need to support this movie. If you're not doing that, you are a piece of garbage trash. You are a sewer rat if you can't go out and see five movies a week. If you can't if you can't afford going to the movie theater to spend fifteen dollars five times during the week to see The Lighthouse, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, Dr. Sleep, Midway, um... What else came out this weekend? Uh, oh, Playing with Fire, the John Cena movie. If you can't go see all of those movies, you you must hate cinema. You probably hate cinema. You're probably a garbage person, right? You probably are a dumpster fire of a person who can't appreciate cinema because you can't afford to uh, go see these movies. I certainly can't afford to go see them, but, but I get paid to go see them because I'm a critic. This baffles me. So. I did a couple bits of investigation on this one, guys. So this person, I clicked on their profile. They are following 2,300 people. Now, let's be honest. They're probably not really reading the tweets of all of those people. So even if we generously take away... F- let's just put it to a 2,000. Fine, 2,000 people. All right. So he's saying that this movie was universally recognized as a masterpiece on all of his social media feeds. So hell, hell let's do um, 2,000 people on Twitter... Facebook, and I'll even give him, uh, we'll give him Tinder as well. It seems like he's probably on Tinder. So that's, that's uh, two for 6,000 people. All right. We're going to do the math. 6,000 people that he's seen actively say that dr sleep is better than the godfather is better than the shining is better than any martin scorsese movie any marvel movie this is the guys dr sleep is the number one movie of all time according to his social media so uh with that math in mind and i did some simple math of my own uh if i can get back to it come on here we go here we go okay yeah i said and so i reply i you can see this all it's on uh, my twitter at a robots wink i said quick math on a generous 14 dollars ticket price would mean one million people on your social media feed one of the pro-, and this, and this is what the whole point of this one of the problems of assuming social media is indicative of the entire country it just blows my mind that this person would think oh my Twitter is a buzz. My Twitter is a flutter with, uh, with praise for the best movie of all time. Why did nobody go see it? Well, a million people probably went and saw it, but I'm looking here on box office mojo and and let's just go. I'm going to make this as easy as possible for math at $10 a ticket. Yes. I understand. Some theaters are more than that. IMAX in my area is $17, but I also saw Jojo Rabbit this morning for $5.99 as the early bird special, so um, factoring that in, Midway made $17.5 million, that's 17 million people, Doctor Sleep made $14 million, Playing With Fire made $12 million, Last Christmas, which blows my mind, that's a Netflix movie, it shouldn't be in theaters, uh, made $11 million, Terminator, oh wait, yeah we're right, okay, and then Terminator made $10 million, Joker made 9, Maleficent made 8, Harriet made 7, Zombieland made 4, and the Adams Family made 4. This is something that a lot of people don't realize as well. Not many people go to the movies. There are not a lot of people going to the movies, which is... Oh, no way. Guys, I'm just looking here on Box Office Mojo. This is a this is a comics and cinema first. Honey Boy, the movie by Shia LaBeouf, is an Amazon Studios movie, guys. It is only in four theaters right now, which means if it doesn't get to your area, it'll be on Amazon Prime. That is awesome news because I was really wanting to see that movie and I don't think it's going to come to my area. But let's do some quick math. 17.5 plus 14, 12, 11, 10, 9, eight, seven, four, four. And that's it. That's nine. Wow. Okay. Even that that's impressive. That's $96.5 million roughly for the top 10 movies of this weekend. So if we factor in that, that is, uh, uh, you know, $10 a ticket, we can assume, right. That that's probably, that's 96 million people went to the movies. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But it could be it could be even if it is 96 million people went only 14 million people or wait no i'm sorry 96 wait uh, let's just do this 96.5 so we will just round that to 96 million divided by what do we want to say do we want to say ten dollars a ticket i'll hell i'll do 15 dollars a ticket and we'll do it that way okay six million people six million four hundred thousand people <laughs> 96 million there's no way 96 million people went and saw movies this weekend so six million people saw movies this weekend how many people are in america guys how many more than that right i mean there's other movies below this that had some money as well but even if we say 10 million people went to go see this movie doesn't america have like 300 million people in its in its population population of america look at me i am getting you guys all the information 327 million people i know you guys didn't listen to this podcast for a math lesson but it turns out uh, i'm going to be giving you one so we've got 6.4 million people uh, we've got 300 and i'm going to let's just make it easy we're going to round we're going to say 10 million people went to the movies so 300 uh 10 out of 327 is 3% yeah 3% of the population went to the movies this weekend i that's that's just insane to me that it's sad, obviously, for someone who loves cinema i you know I would love it if more people went out there, but there are so many reasons people didn't go to the movies they're there didn't want to see anything that's in theaters. they've seen everything already that they needed to that's in theaters, or they don't have the money for it. They had other plans this weekend, like there's so many other things, so to to chastise people and to blame them for the downfall of cinema, you don't you can't you can't. I mean, yes, people are the reason that cinema is gonna die, and that's just because, you know, if people don't go, you know, the movies are gonna close down. But people are still going to the movies. Look at how much money Avengers Endgame made. Look how much money The Joker made. There's another there's a couple of other ones here that made a ton of money. Um, right, guys. Yeah, Lion King, here's another one, 543 million. Toy Story 4 made 433, that's domestic. Um, people are going to the movies, it's just that they're going to see the things that they want to see. They're not going to see the things that some snob on Twitter is telling them that they should see. And for the record, I, some people said that Jojo Rabbit was phenomenal on Twitter, and I, I got my hopes up, and, and that bummed me out. But at the same time, some people talked really good about Parasite, and that movie held up. So, all I'm, all I'm trying to say about that, the point that I'm trying to make is... It's it's crazy how bubbled people are on social media, and this is this is the this is the reason for a lot of things, and it's it's almost a deterioration of the mind. You take like uh, I mean, the point is an example, like the twenty sixteen election. Everyone thought that Hillary was going to win. I think social media went crazy about that, and CNN walked that you know, out of the park, oh, blah, 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 and it didn't happen. Well, why didn't it happen? Oh my gosh, it's like... And you know, that's you know, arguments aside on that one, but it happens with other things like this. Dr. Sleep, why did it bomb? Oh, why did Terminator bomb? We thought that that was going to be a good movie. What about uh, um, The Lighthouse, Arctic Dogs, Pain and Glory, Honey Boy, Ad Astra, you name it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's that... There are 327 million people just in America. And if you look on some of the biggest follower counts, I mean, like, I think Trump's follower count is like 50 million. So there are millions and millions and millions and millions hundreds of millions of people who are not on social media, who are not going to the movies, and those are the people that we need to go to the movies, right? Those are the people we need to advertise to or that we need to do stuff for. But, you know, we that's not a guarantee that that's going to work, so please don't use social media as your chance to scream out and blame people for your shock that the greatest movie of all time Doctor Sleep only made 14 million dollars it's just because people didn't want to go see it like it's a very simple answer they and maybe they will later it just it i don't know i just i feel bad for the people that are constantly frustrated about the downfall of cinema And who knows? In 10 years, maybe cinema is going to be gone. But I think people have been complaining about the downfall of cinema for at least the last 10 years and nothing's happened. Uh, I mean, in honesty, things have gotten a little better. I've been sitting in recliner seats at the AMC. I have AMC A-list now where I can reserve my own tickets in advance for free. All I got to do is pay a monthly fee. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of really good things going on in the movies right now. And there are movies that are coming out that are bringing people out in droves. Uh, many, many of them are Disney movies. Yeah, fine. But, uh, that's just because people love Disney movies and they know when they're going into a Disney movie that they're going to get a movie that's good for their kids. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And so, like I said, there are people out there who go to the movies once a year. There are people out there who go to the movies three times a week and get that triple header in. We're all different, and what makes us different makes us special. So please don't rag on the people who aren't going to the movies. You can only change yourself. You can only do things for yourself. Go see the movies that you love, support the movies that you love, and respect the decisions of others around you. Even in this example for Dr. Sleep smile that the movie made it out into theaters and that you were able to go see it and that guess what it's going to come out on dvd and you're going to get to see it again and again and again for the rest of your life you need to be screaming you need to be burning your torches and running through the streets yelling that people need to go to the movies when theater change start closing down when there is an active threat of, of theater closure of, Hey, you know, we're just, we're not seeing it we're, we got to close these theaters down. That's when you need to panic because right now I don't, I don't hear anything about that. I mean, yeah, the streaming wars are coming and, and who knows if they'll be a part of that, but I think things are going to be okay. At least for, at least for right now, at least for this year, definitely for next year and probably for the next five years. And it is a good chance for the next 10 years. I would say too, there's an argument to be made there. So breathe it's okay if people don't see the movies that you think are the best movies as long as you get to go see the movies that you feel are the best movies you are living in an ideal world and that is something to be grateful for that is something to be thankful for think about it imagine living in a different country where uh, you have to get these movies imported in maybe they're put in a different language or you don't even get to see half of these movies because say it's you know in china they're where they edit it out or they censor pieces of it you live in a country where one of this country's greatest exports is cinema is film putting these movies out for the world to see that is something to be proud of. That when you say you're proud to be an American, that's that's what I would say. I'm I'm proud I live in a country where I can go to the movies and there are 15 different movies playing at once that I have to make the stressful decision of figuring out which of those movies to go see and whether that's Doctor Sleep or Parasite. That's a that's a problem that I want to have. That is a a problem that I'm glad to have. And guess what? This movie will be there next week. When I get back from vacation, I'm going to make my best effort to go see Doctor Sleep. But at the same time, there's going to probably be some struggle there because I think there's some other really good movies coming out next weekend as well. But that is a problem, a first world problem that we should be happy to have. And with that, I am going to end the rant and wrap up this edition of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I'll see you at the movies.